Let's turn once again to the Word of God. We're turning to the book of Galatians and to chapter 4, Galatians and chapter 4. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Howbeit, then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them, which by nature are no gods. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Ye observe days, and months, and times, and years." I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Amen. We'll leave the reading just there. And let's unite our hearts in prayer. Our eternal God, we bow before thee this morning. And Lord, we pray that thou hast put thy hand upon us as we would consider the word of God together. We pray that we might have a, a comprehension and an understanding of those great things which are accomplished in Jesus Christ. Lord, there is little stomach in this country in these days for thy word. Lord, they would rather hear the echoes of their own thoughts. Lord, they would rather turn to man and trust in him. Lord, they have lost sight of the wonders and the glories of Jesus Christ. But Father, we pray that thou wast open our eyes that we might behold him as Stephen of old, even as he was stoned to death, that he beheld Christ standing at the right hand of God, Lord, we pray that we might see him, and Father, that we might rejoice in him. Bless us then, we ask, and continue with us this day. Receive the praise, the honor, and the glory unto thyself, for thou hast done these things. Thou hast created us, Lord, thou hast redeemed thy people unto thyself, and thou wilt come again, and thou wilt judge this earth. And Father, we pray that we might be found faithful, at the very least in the preaching of thy word. And Lord, that we might tell men and women of their need, and Father, we pray that thou wouldst turn them from darkness to light. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to think about these uh, words which are found in, chap- in verse 4 of this fourth chapter, uh, where we read, But the, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of of sons. That's verses 4 and 5, of course, uh, but verse uh, 4 is my main text here this morning. And I want to think about it uh, with reference to the Lord Jesus Christ coming into this world and also with reference to uh, what it says concerning the heir and the condition of the heir before he inherits. Uh, we see there in verse 4, in chapter 4, verse 1, now I say that the heir as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors 
until the time appointed of the Father. And I want to suggest to you, as I was reading this, uh, I wanted to suggest to you that here uh, we have this uh, consideration that the Lord Jesus Christ uh, was the heir. He is the heir. We will see that in just a moment. And he was sent forth by the Father, and he differed nothing uh, from a servant while he was here upon this earth until he was of the time to inherit. Uh, We know that God... Uh, had set the time he had decided when the fullness of times would come and Jesus Christ dying upon the cross of Calvary then uh, rises from the dead and ascends into heaven to receive the kingdom and that he reigns in heaven at this time over all of his people who are members of that uh, fellowship of that citizenship of heaven so I want to consider this under three heads, as we usually do, and these are wonderful things. It's our communion service this morning, and uh, very often we will have something to say before we uh, take communion. But these words themselves are a great blessing to us that we might be of a right heart and of a right mind for communion today. I want to see it under these three heads. First of all, the sending of the Son. Uh, secondly, the servitude of the Son. And thirdly, the securing of salvation. So first of all then the sending of the Son. In Galatians uh, 4 and verse 3 uh, we read, uh, sorry verse 4, but when the fullness of time was come God sent forth his Son. God sent forth his Son. Those are tremendous words. They're very tremendous words for the very fact that uh, he sent forth his son. It wasn't just the fact that Christ was born, uh, that he was uh, made in the womb of Mary, and from that point onwards he became his son, but that God actually sent forth his son. And when we consider the the pre-existence of the Son of God, we consider the eternality of the Son of God, that from the beginning he, uh, he was the, the Son of God. We consider, first of all, then the glory that he left. And the Lord Jesus speaks of that glory. He says in John 17 and verse 5, which is the beginning of that great prayer which John records for us, and he speaks there to the Father, and he says, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. The glory which I had with thee before the world was. Not just before I was born, but before the world was. Now we read in the scripture, of course, all things were made by or through him, and without him was not anything made which was made. Uh, Jesus Christ there at the beginning. Jesus Christ, the Son of God from eternity. Jesus Christ, who leaves the glory of heaven, sent forth by the Father, that he might come into this world, the sending of the Son. But of course, as he becomes human in this world, uh, there is a kind of a a duality, although he is one person and indivisible, yet nevertheless we can see him in the way that he manifests himself to us as the Son of Man, and we can see him also as he is referred to us as the Son of God. So uh, there are these two things which are going on and there are aspects uh, which, of course, uh, uh, pertain only to his humanity. For instance, as the eternal son of God, he couldn't uh, die on the cross. 
he states himself, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. So if Christ died in his, in his deity, then everything dies, everything ceases. But in his humanity, he can die. And he, has, he says himself, I have, of his life, he says, I have power to lay it down, I have power to take it again. So therefore, here he is speaking of that humanity which he lays down for us. But the Son leaves all the glory of heaven that he might come into this world and might, he might become a child. And therefore, in verse 1 in chapter 4 of Galatians, it says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant or a bondservant, though he be Lord of all but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Now the Lord Jesus Christ then left this glory that he might come amongst us and that he might live amongst us. In John 3 and verse 13, John, of course, uh, looking upon the Lord Jesus Christ from that heavenly aspect, he is uh, uh, referred to sometimes as, uh, as the eagle looking down upon all the things which have occurred and uh, taking from them not just the statements of what Christ did, but what they mean to us uh, with that great overview of time and of study. And uh, he re- refers us to those things which the Lord Jesus Christ said in that aspect. Jesus says then in John three thirteen, And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Here we have then uh, this aspect again, this uh, mystery of the person of Jesus Christ, who is come down from heaven, but he is the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Again, in John 17, back to that prayer, he says in verse 24, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me. For thou lovedst me before the foundation of the world. So the glory that he leaves, let's just stop there and consider for a moment that, that Christ leaves the glory of heaven that he might come into this world for us. For us, Lot. Sinners, corrupt, weak, failing, subject to death, subject to illness, subject to all kinds of, of uh, confusions and deceits. And we know we hear quite often these days of so many who have fallen to deceit where they've received phone calls or uh, the like and uh, they have given over their bank details and we're just, we are, we, we are ready to fall to all kinds of things, even the wisest. And yet Jesus leaves the glory of heaven that he might come and redeem us, that he might save us. In the ascending of the Son, then, we find that he leaves this glory and that he also reveals the grace of God. This is grace. There is no reason. There is no argument that we could bring before the God of heaven to say, leave the glory of heaven and come down and save us. There is no argument to say to him, well, we are worthy of your presence. Uh, We deserve you to come and to help us. We are undeserving. God created us in perfection. He made us without sin. He gave us commands that would be a blessing to us throughout this world. And... Mankind in Adam 
uh, refused those commands and would rather put God to the test. And he found that God was faithful, that God was truthful, that God was just, and that he had fallen foul of the law which God had given to him. But he reveals this grace in coming into this world. We see this right at the beginning when the angels appear to the shepherds out on the hills and they cry in their, in their song before the Lord, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill or grace toward men. Grace toward men. And this is the grace of God that we read again from verse 4, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. It's the grace of God that Jesus Christ should come into this world. The grace of God that he should be born of a woman. And we so often at this time of the year consider the very fact that he was born of a woman and that he, uh, Daniel Josiah just gone out through the front doors and he's wandering around out the front of the church. Oh, he's going to see his mum. He's all right. It's okay. Part of the service, sermon today. Um, <laughs> so we, um, we see here this great grace then that God has shown to us. The fact that he was made of a woman and that he was born in such a way in, in a stable. In this great humility, uh, humility, being laid in straw amongst the animals. That the, the God of glory should leave those things which we can't even begin to comprehend. Eternity. The glories of heaven. The power which can create a universe like this. Uh, the power which can uphold all things. And he leaves all this to be born like we are born in pain, in blood. Uh, in, in the straw, amongst the creatures, uh, and that he should come amongst us. Grace toward men. Luke 19 also, verse 38 says, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. The king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Jesus Christ has come amongst us. I just want to, to set that before you, that we might meditate upon it for a moment and consider who this Christ is and, and what he has given that we might be saved. That he should leave the, the, the glories of all things, the power which he had in glory to create us in the first place, and that he should come and humble himself and as we read here in verse 2, under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father, he gave himself to be a servant amongst us. This takes us to the second point, the servitude of the Son. The servitude of the Son. Now here is the Lord of glory. He has come down into this world to live amongst us. And he has not just come to live amongst us, but he has come to live amongst us as a servant. First and foremost, the servant of God, but also in so many ways, the servant of those who are around them. Remember how he takes the, the cloth and wraps it about his waist and goes and washes the disciples' feet. He, he says to them, you call me master and, and so I am. 
But he humbles himself even to wash the feet of the disciples. Peter, of course, pulls him up on that. And he says, you shouldn't be washing my feet. I should be washing your feet. But Jesus says, unless I wash your feet, you can have no part with me. And, and Peter says, well, not just my feet then, but my hands and my head also. So this, the servitude of the son, he becomes a servant, he comes into this world to serve. We see the prophecies concerning this from the Old Testament that were leaning forward toward this. In the Isaiah 42, verse 1, there are a number of servant songs in, in Isaiah. And here we have one in, verse, in chapter 42, verse 1. Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect, uh, in whom my soul delighteth, I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. Well, this, is, this is very clearly the Lord Jesus Christ, my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased, or to use these words instead, in whom I am delighted. I have put my spirit upon him, he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. Of course, Paul here is uh, speaking to the Gentiles, and he is saying to them that they have uh, turned aside from the blessings which Christ brought, judgment to the Gentiles, and they are turning back to the beggarly elements of the law of the Jews. And he is berating them for it, and he is saying to them, this is, this is foolishness, oh, foolish Galatians. If you turn with me for a moment to Isaiah and chapter 52, uh, which so often we read, don't we, in, in the uh, uh, communion service. Isaiah and 52, uh, we read there uh, these words in verse 13. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. But see how it continues, as many were astonished at thee. His visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations, nor the Gentiles, in other words. The kings shall shut their mouths at him, for that which had not been told them they shall, shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. Who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For well, he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not." Here is Christ, therefore, once again set forth in this prophecy of Isaiah as the servant, the servant who God hath sent. And Jesus Christ, as we see again in Galatians chapter 4, the chapter 4 and verse 4, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. In Zechariah chapter 3 and verse 8, there we read, Hear now, O Joshua, the high priest, thou and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men wondered at. For behold, I will bring forth my servant, the branch, 
He shall come forth as a root of the dry ground. We read there from Isaiah 53. I will bring forth my servant, the branch. Or again, here is the, the, the shoot. Here is the, 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 the uh, springing up of the, of the plant from the dry ground. And this is Christ. Of course, Judaism had come to what? When, when Jesus spoke to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, what was it? It was dry and dirty. It, it was, there was no life in it. And even those who professed to be the most spiritual of the country didn't even recognize the Son of God. And by reading through the Gospels, we see the amount of times that Jesus makes reference to this. If you'd known my father, you would have known me also. But you don't know my father. Year of your, your father, the devil. Uh, so John records for us. Again, in Matthew 12 and verse 18, uh, there he refers to the prophecy of the Old Testament. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. That's the first of those quotes that we gave from Isaiah 42. Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. So Matthew brings forth this prophecy of the Old Testament. And he is saying to us, this is who Jesus Christ is. He is the servant. He is the one whom God has sent forth. His son, but a servant. Because the heir... As long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. We see then the proofs of this in the servitude of the Son. In Hebrews 1-2, we read, Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. So here he is the heir. Christ is, is appointed the heir. Uh, but he is the servant in this world. He is the servant who is serving the Father. He is the servant, in a sense, in serving us also. Because he is the one who brings us into eternity. He is the one who gives us salvation. He is the one who has died upon the cross in our place. He is the one who has borne our sin for us. And so often when we think about the servants, of course, they are the ones who do the work aren't they? And Christ makes himself, he becomes a servant for us. But he is nevertheless the heir of all things. The heir of all things. Again, verse, verse 1 here in Galatians 4, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. And Jesus Christ is that heir. Now we, we know that the scripture speaks about us as being heirs also. We are heirs, but we are heirs through Christ. Verse 7, Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Christ is the heir. And as we see there in Hebrews 1 and verse 2, Whom he hath appointed heir of all things. Of all things. In Ephesians, uh, we read that he brings together all things. Uh, both that are in heaven and that are on earth in Jesus Christ. He is the heir of all things. So These are wonderful words here then in verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, because the heir is Christ. Our, our inheritance is in Christ. Again, we see the promises 
the promises which are given to us by that servitude of the Son. We see the prophecies at the beginning uh, of Christ being that servant. We find the proof that he is the heir, and we see the promises which are given to us in Christ Jesus. And the promises are quite a, a large part of what is being said here. If we just go back to chapter 3 of Galatians for a moment, we see there in verse 14 that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And then again, verse 17, and this I say that the covenant that was formed, confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul, that it should make the promise of none effect. Verse uh, 18, for if the inheritance of the law, if it be, for if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Verse 19, wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgression till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And who is the seed? Well, of course, the scripture tells us that too, that the seed is Christ. It says not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, which is Christ. Verse 22, but the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ, might be given to them that believe. And in verse 29, the last verse of that chapter, and if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The promise then comes in through Jesus Christ, this servant, this one whom he has sent forth into the world. And the fact that he is the heir of all things, and we receive the promise through him that we might inherit also. In Christ Jesus. And what is the promise? 1 John 2 verse 25. And this is the promise that he hath promised us. Even eternal life. Eternal life. This is the promise which he has promised us. Ephesians 3 5. Which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. As it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the spirit. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. And of the same body. And partakers of his promise. In Christ by the gospel. What is the promise in Christ by the gospel? Even eternal life. Romans 4.16 Therefore it is a faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed not to that only which is of the law but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all. This promise which is in Christ. So God sends forth his son who is the eternal son who comes into this world who is born of a woman uh, and made under the law he becomes a servant that he might serve the Father and that he might serve us, that he might bring us unto God. But after that time comes when he, is, he becomes uh, of age in a certain sense, that he, the time appointed, verse 2 of Galatians 4, he's under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father, then he inherited and in his inheritance, the promise is also fulfilled. The promise is eternal life to all those who believe in him. The promise is fulfilled in Christ, and he redeems us. Christ, the heir of God. 
Romans 9, 8, that is that they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. We are in Christ given everlasting life. And we come finally then to the securing of salvation. We see Christ here as the servant. We see Christ here as the the heir who is a servant while he is under tutors and governors. And we read, interestingly enough in the scripture, that Jesus Christ learned obedience. You just turn with me, as is a a couple of verses here in Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. And verse 5. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard, in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Called of God, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Christ learns obedience. So we come back to Galatians chapter 4 then, and we find that there is this aspect of Jesus Christ. Though he is the heir of all, yet coming into this world, he differs nothing from a servant. He even learns obedience in this world. And he comes before the Father with strong prayers and supplications, strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered, being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. And Jesus, of course, came into this world with the full knowledge that he would be a servant, the full knowledge that he would learn obedience. In John twelve twenty seven, he says, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, for this cause came I unto this hour. God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. We find then in Christ Jesus this last oblation, the securing of salvation for us. Hebrews 10, verse 11, uh, down to verse 18. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. The last oblation, the last offering which Christ gives. 
securing salvation for us as the servant who came into this world that he might die for us that he might redeem us from our sins that he might fulfill all that is required that the promise might be given to us even eternal life the life that is obtained well for this cause he is the mediator of the new covenant that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first covenant they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance which brings us right back to this point of being the heir jesus christ the heir and the fact that we are heirs in him according to the promise according to the prophecy according to the power of god according to that position which jesus christ took as the servant suffering for us that we might be redeemed as we come to communion service today we are reminded once again of of what christ gave for us that he shed his blood for us that he gave his body for us that he as a servant honored us with so great a salvation and blessed us and jesus says all that the father giveth me shall come to me and whosoever cometh to me i will in no wise cast out may the lord be praised it's a good thing for us to understand these things there are many things that come in this world and we don't understand many problems many troubles many difficulties many times when our prayers seem to go unanswered but what are we to do to look up we are to look upon christ we are to see his glories we are to be so filled with the with the blessedness of his uh, presence and and of his, of the view of him that whatsoever goes on in this world is just for a moment and not worthy to be compared to the glory which will be revealed in us so says the apostle paul in romans 8 and we trust that the lord will bless us as we contemplate christ jesus the son the heir he became a servant that he might inherit all and that we might share that inheritance through his precious blood amen